0: I am very pleased to introduce you today to Ms. Cheryl Schaefer. Cheryl has dedicated her life to her passion in oral health, education, and integrative healthcare. After 30 years of practicing as a dental hygienist, she is now a national speaker, oral facial myofunctional therapist, and a founder of Facial Function. Specializing in the function of the face, she is helping individuals and families with oral facial myofunctional disorders, such as mouth breathing, Tethered oral tissues, noxious oral habits, improper tongue posture, forward swallow, sleep disturbed breathing, and facial pain. She has dedicated her career to assisting patients find the root cause and solutions to reach their goals of healthy sleep, breathing, and oral facial function by collaborating with an integrative team of medical and dental providers. Her mission is to educate and empower the dental team to recognize oral dysfunctions and its impact on restorative sleep. Cranial facial development and orthodontic retention. She's an altruistic nature and she's passionate to serve the well being of others in her community and our clients at Facial Function. It is my pleasure now to bring you to my interview with Ms. Cheryl Schaefer. Hey everyone, it's Dr. MJ coming to you from the Women in Dentistry podcast. Today I'm very excited to introduce you to Cheryl Schaefer. Now, she's been in the field of dentistry for quite some time, and she actually has a different niche that many dental professionals are not aware of. So I'm excited to have her talk a little bit about that today and introduce you to another amazing woman in dentistry. Cheryl, please, if you wouldn't mind, start by telling the audience a little bit about your story, how you got into dentistry, and about what you're doing today that's kind of special.
1: Well, thank you. And thank you so much for having me so that I can share my story and my journey. It's been one of twists and turns and ups and downs. And really, if we go all the way back to when I was a child, my mother was an office manager at a dental practice, and I was exposed to how much she liked dentistry by visiting her in high school i did not know that that's great yes and my mom was an office manager dental assistant and then in high school i did a health studies program where i got to investigate all the different health fields and one of them was dentistry which i always thought i wanted to do dentistry but make sure that's what my passion was instead of nursing or physical therapy and i worked as a dental assistant when i was in high school Way back in the late 70s, I worked as a dental assistant for an endodontist. And then my summers during hygiene school, when I decided that's really what I wanted to do, I still worked as a dental assistant. And it gave me a great experience from you know, all aspects of the office when I started and graduated from dental hygiene school back in the early 80s.
0: Very cool, very cool. So you have been practicing clinical hygiene all that time up until today? I
1: stopped practicing clinical dental hygiene about three years ago. So I was working as a hygienist. I have a license in three states. Um, It's quite a journey to take boards in each state. I have a license in Florida, California and Maryland and have had great experience. I did periodontics. For my first seven years as a hygienist, I worked for periodontists and assisted surgeries, and you know, was the hygienist in the period practice, and loved, loved working as a hygienist. Had intimate relationships, you know, very, very close relationships with my patients and collaborative care with the coworkers. Now, five years ago, my profession took a twist, and I was exposed to the advanced training for hygienists and dentists and speech pathologists to learn about oral function, airway, and breathing. And so I dived deep into understanding beyond clinical hygiene, but also myofunctional therapy. So I'm now a certified oral facial myologist.
0: Okay. So I don't know anyone else that has done this other than you. Okay. And I've been in the profession a really long time. So that amazes me, first of all. So kudos to you for finding this little niche to explore. And who introduced you to this? Because I think I, I find it fascinating that you found this. If the dental hygiene magazine, especially the RDH magazine,
1: has quite a few articles on myofunctional therapy. Joy Moeller, one of the early myofunctional therapists, and she still has an association group where she instructs future hygienists and other practitioners. But Joy Moeller and I were hygienists together back in San Diego a long time ago. And then I read lots of articles in the dental hygiene magazines about airway and function. And it just rang a bell with me because my son had problems. So because my son was struggling with speech, we had him in speech for years, ear infections, snoring, mouth breathing. When I would investigate and learn articles in the hygiene magazines, it helped me connect the dots and I just got on a journey to want to learn more and more and I still it's I'm a forever studier. And learner, I can't like with all the COVID that we're going through right now, there's a lot of webinars out there and more opportunities, and going to conferences and learning. The leaders in the field have really inspired me to see the connection between cranial facial development and the tongue posture. And when you learn that in children, you can help to give them the nice, widest arch they can, build the house for the teeth it it just snowballs because you see so many people right now struggling with sleep apnea disturbed sleep mouth breathing and when you think that if we can catch it in children we can reverse it and i've studied i started a company and now full-time five days a week i see
0: myofunctional clients instead of hygiene clients that is amazing so they come to you and walk us through the process of what you do with your patients, because I I am finding this really fascinating. <laughs> the process is, generally it starts with the referral and
1: the referrals come from orthodontists, speech and language pathologists, pediatric dentists, adult dentists. So let's take it to the speech pathologist. I have collaboration and I work interconnectively with a lot of different professions, physical therapists, cranial sacral therapists, speech pathologists, ENT surgeons. And so one of the things that I love about this is my world is not just the dental office with my 10 employees. My world is now worldwide actually with all kinds of different professions understanding each other's perspective on the same subject. So let's say the speech pathologist knows a child that has been working with the letter R for six years, which is exactly my son's story, because he couldn't get the back of the tongue up. What is happening with the oral motor, with the mouth muscles that need to be retrained to help her to be able to accomplish her goal with this child to learn to speak more correctly? So we have the oral motor and the articulation parts. And as a team, it's Fascinating, the results we've gotten. The orthodontists, some of them, when they recognize that they have a tongue thrust swallow or tongue position between the teeth, it's an impact. So muscle wins over bone. So if the muscle pressure is just like braces, braces are slow, gentle pressure on the teeth that guide the teeth. The lips and the tongue do the same thing. They're slow, gentle pressures that guide the development of the maxilla and where the teeth come in. So some of the orthodontists, if the child has improper oral rest posture or myofunctional disorders, they'll have them work with me before they put the braces on. So then the braces case will be faster, more effective and retentive so that we won't have relapse of the orthodontic cases. So it's, it's wonderful. And we work as a team.
0: Oh my gosh. I can't imagine how rewarding that must be beyond words. So when they come to me, a lot of times they'll
1: come because Johnny has open bite. So his teeth aren't coming together because the tongue's in the way. But then you always come up with the why. Why is the tongue positioned forward? Why is he snoring? Why is he breathing through his mouth? You know, what is the root cause? What's going on? And the parents sometimes, you know, for example, I had a little girl come in because she had her thumb sucking habit. And I also have habit elimination program, anything to do with my own disorders. And I kept asking the mom about her sleep, her airway, her breathing. And she said, I'm here for the thumb. Why do you keep asking about it? And I said, because there's a reason she's 10, 11 years old and still sucking her thumb. And it turns out she was raised in an area in South Africa with very, very bad air pollution. Her tonsils filled her throat and she had sleep disturbed breathing. So she was using her thumb as a way to bring her jaw forward or tongue down to breathe. And I said to her, I said, congratulations, I'm so proud of you because you figured out a way to breathe. And she looked at me and she said, I thought you were gonna tell me I was a big baby. And I just gave her the confidence to go, you know what? I had to use my thumb because I had a functional reason you made me feel okay about it. Now I'm ready to stop. And within, as soon as she walked out the door, she never sucked her thumb again. And just, and then we got her airway under control, her tonsils under control. And with, you know, it's just, so we bring the kids health and the adults, we bring them sleep, health, airway. um, And it's just, as a hygienist, I love, love, love being a hygienist and how I serve my patients and the relationship every four or six months. I see these Clients, I call them clients now, every week or every two weeks for six months, sometimes, you know, three months. But we really form close relationships. And there's nothing I wouldn't do to help a child to find the answers for their allergies or airway disruptions or, you know, tongue tie. So we just bring these kids' health.
0: Now, do you do any of the laser? adaptation for the tongue tide or do you send that out? So I work as a team with the surgeons
1: and I have different doctors in, that refer to me or that I refer back to. We kind of refer back and forth. So if somebody finds me because the child, for example, didn't have their R sound because he couldn't physically lift the back of their tongue, my first visit is assess, look at the structure, look at the function, because it's not just about what it looks like, but it's also what functional impacts is it having and then i do a full functional assessment refer them to the oral surgeon and then he confirms yes they have a restricted lingual frenulum and yes they would have benefit from having the tongue freed and what's really been fun is i have a little black book that I keep on the side of my table. And when they come back to me, especially people that are really suffering because they cannot have full function of their tongue, I give them the book and say, write your story, write your story, how you feel, felt before, how you feel now, what was the journey? What's your aha moment? Because then I use that book when others are trying to make the decision because they only know the mouth they have. They don't know what it could feel like if their tongue is free. So I give them the stories in the journal of others to say, wow, I see myself in that story. So I use the benefit of so many others that are doing this to bring the education to the patient, to help them find the
0: right answers. Because it's it's interesting that you do that and fabulous that you do that because isn't it better to have third party verification rather than you saying, here's what I can do for you. But I want to go back to the young girl that you talked about with the 10-year-old with a thumb, an amazing story because you made, instead of, you know, reprimanding her, obviously there had to be a reason for her doing that and her just being secure enough to be able to say, it's okay, you know, now I understand there was a reason for it. I can give it up. No big deal. But oh my gosh, what an amazing accomplishment mentally for that young girl and kudos to you for being able to provide that for her.
1: And that's kind of the whole program is about empowerment because I'm asking them to change a lifetime habit. So their lifetime habit of their mouth breathing or their tongue on the floor, of their mouth or their thumb sucking, I am giving them, I say, I'm your coach. I, it, I am not the boss of your body. You are. I am your coach, just like if you were learning an instrument or a sport that helps you learn the right muscle patterns and the right muscle memory of how to use your tongue and your swallow so that you can have the best results possible. And I kind of go from what is, what drove you to come to me in the first place? Was it better night's sleep? Was it because my child's snoring? It, was it because I cannot speak? Or my orthodontist says my teeth are impacted. So everybody has their why. And then I figure out the path of empowerment to get them
0: to want to make those changes. Amazing. So as a hygienist now, you know, in many states, and I'm not sure how it is in, in Maryland where you live, but many states, you can't have your own practice. So how is this different? Yeah. How is this different? because I'm not practicing as a dental hygienist.
1: So I'm a retired dental hygienist, and I now have a practice where I am a certified oral facial biologist. So I am not practicing dental hygiene at all anymore, and I work as a team with the dentist. So every case that I have, I collaborate, and I, I work with it as a team with the oral surgeon or
0: the dentist. So more of like a consultant, correct? More like
1: a therapist, consultant, specialist. Yeah. And I'm also, so I also have a speaking business. So my speaking business, I have, I spoke many times last year. I, I go to schools and to study groups and association meetings. So my business is also speaking, but I'm not a hygienist when i have my speaking business, which is incorporated with my company, Facial Function. But my ultimate role is to be a coach and an educator. And that's what I do is I just educate. Uh, and s- side note is I have a bachelor's in community health education as well from Florida State. So I have my dental hygiene degree. I have my community health education degree. And so I am also a trained educator and I worked, I, educating in nursing homes, the nurses, how to take care of the patient's teeth. I worked at Head Start programs. I worked educating the preschool programs about the dental correct curriculums for the kids and coordinated the dentists for their program. So I kind of have always had a dental and an education direction. And so this has really combined all my knowledge of oral health and the mouth. And really wanting to empower and educate people to have yeah, well, I just love it and I and there's a lot of us like me, and if you for example, I just did a presentation for Allegheny College a couple months ago for the dentists and the hygienists and the staff in the whole Western Maryland area. It ended up being online because of Covid, so it was a three hour presentation, and they said it was a six hour conference and they said, we're still gonna have the conference. I was the keynote in the beginning. I was like, okay, gotta figure this out. I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to figure it out. At the end of the presentation, I got an email from a hygienist. She said, I had never been educated or told to look at the tongue, to look at the swallow, to look at the occlusion, to look at the width of the palate to see if there's room for the tongue. She said, I'm absolutely amazed what I learned. And I, she, I said, okay, here's some books you can read that will help you. Gasp, Three Foot Tiger, The Dental Diet. Here's some podcasts you can listen to. So I directed her towards resources. She called me back a couple days later and she said, okay, I can't stop learning about this. And I think you've connected the dots for my son who has myofunctional disorders. Will you see my son? So we set up a Zoom meeting, an online, I use DoxyMe, meeting for seeing her son. Her son did have myofunctional disorders. So I'm working with him. And at the same time, she's decided she wants to add myofunctional therapy on top of her hygiene. So she has already enrolled in a course. This is in the period of two months. And so this has completely changed her life, her direction as a hygienist and her son's life, putting the pieces
0: together with his dysfunction. So it's just, it's just, it snowballs. I would imagine that happens all the time. It's such a fascinating thing. A lot. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Good for you. You know, I applaud anyone that finds something that they become passionate about. And then that just like you said in the very beginning, deep dive right into it and learn as much as you possibly can. And you have taken that new passion that you developed into an extremely successful, speaking and therapy career I mean congratulations that's an amazing thing you know so often I think that we you know think that the only thing we can do is is be in our offices and practice in our chairs doing the same thing over and over and over again every single day when there's so many other options out there for us to do we just have to open our eyes and get exposed to it don't you think when
1: I, cause I did this, I did that. So for many, many years I went to work. I was my hygienist. I was only with the 10 people, my patients who I loved and then went home and I was like, okay, done. And now because I've met new people and then I meet more new people and you kind of get like, I go to a lot of conferences and meetings and I call them my education vacations. So the, like when we were at jumpstart together, or when we were at dentistry's got talent together, I meet so many people who inspire me and empower me because having a business where I'm, I'm, it's me, it's just me. It's really hard. And you have to have collaboration, networking, and then people I've met on these different journeys have become my friends. And now I feel like and like with you, I just like I make new friends and I just I use those opportunities to go to the conferences to learn, but also to network, collaborate and the people around me empower me.
0: They bring so much passion to me that I just give it back. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think we get so much more out of going than not going. You know that we we get this an uh, opportunity to engage with people, and you can choose not to do any of that when you're there. But it is so much more rewarding if you give of yourself and put yourself out there and introduce yourself to people around the room that you align with. You know, not everybody is is going to be a good connection, but oh my gosh, the people that I have met as well, Cheryl, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think that it's a great opportunity to to get out there network and really expand your horizons because you never know who you're going to meet that will inspire you to do something different in your career right
1: but it's it's just stepping stones we just build on each other and support each other and you know it's a feeling of abundance like there's so much need out there that all of us collectively collaboratively even interdisciplinary and like with different fields not just dental but when cuz i'm networking a lot with other people in other fields, physical therapists, cranial psychotherapists, speech therapists. And I'm like, wow, because now I can hear your perspective on the same place. We're all working on the same place and it's the gateway to our health. So I just, the more I'm learning, the more I want to learn. Sure. I love being in dentistry more now than I did when I was just a clinical hygienist going in, doing my job and going home. And that was great. I loved it. I love it so much more now. I never want to retire. I never want to stop working.
0: Well, I will tell you that that was one of my first impressions about you. Oh my gosh, she's so passionate about what she does. I love that about people. I love seeing people get really passionate about what it is they do because you bring that passion with you everywhere you go. And it just exudes. It exudes out of you. It exudes to other people. And it's a very attractive Side of us that you actually have an, an abundance of this passion that shows right through everything that you say and do when you're speaking for sure. Thank you.
1: Yeah. I just feel like it's bigger than me. I feel like I'm just a part of the puzzle to
0: help others. It's an amazing thing. So what is the single best piece of advice that you have ever been given? Who gave it to you and what was it? Do you have anything, anything come to mind? Well. When we met, you and I met, was
1: at Dentistry's Got Talent in Port Lauderdale. It was pretty scary to go. I knew nobody. I had never presented on a stage in front of thousands of people because of the people there and then the people online. I didn't feel brave enough or strong enough to go or I didn't feel like I was going to be even close to as good as the other speakers who were accomplished speakers. I was kind of a, you know, local study club, dental offices, just giving my message. So I just, I got selected to go and I decided to go and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to get my message out. Cause I just care about getting my message out. I wanted to meet new people. And so I went and after I presented the tongue tells a story, and my crazy wild Rolling Stones t-shirt. Cause I thought if I'm going to- Awesome. Not, I thought if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make a statement. I am not going to be invisible. I'm not going to, it was hard. Cause it's, it's not in me. Uh, it's not in me. I'm like, you know what? Just, you're going to show up, show up. So I wore my Rolling Stones t-shirt with the tongue sticking out, you know, the Mick Jagger look. And after I presented, I came off stage, like, Oh, it's over. I hope it went okay. And Mark LeBlanc, who's the author of Growing Your Business, and he's the past president of the National Speakers Institute, he said, can I talk to you? I had no idea who he was. And I said, sure. He introduced himself as who he was. And he said, I want to let you know that the world needs to hear you and that you have a message, a profound message that you need, and you have a way of connecting and delivering to others. And I just thought, Oh my gosh, like I can't believe he came up and told me that what I did was worthy of doing it there and that I needed to keep doing it. And he just,
0: it was amazing. It, it, oh, thank you. You know, and isn't that interesting because in our own minds, we're so small, right? Mm-hmm. But when we speak our truth and speak with passion, the world stops and says, oh, and notices. And that's exactly what happened that day. I know right away it connected me with you as well because I was like, oh my gosh, that is an outstanding presentation and presence that you brought to the table just with that tongue. It just connected everything. It was an amazing experience watching you. I will say that, that you know, past president of the National Speakers Association, for the, for someone like Mark LeBlanc to come to you and say what he said, that you should not take that lightly. That is I by far one of the highest compliments that anyone could have been paid. And congratulations. That's amazing.
1: It was so funny because I even took a piece of paper and pen, and I was like, oh, can you just write that down for me so I can like use it as a, you know, someone said something nice. And I just wanted, and I keep it, I treasure it. So he wrote it down and I have it in a very special place. And I, I treasure that somebody thought that I was, that I did okay. Cause I was scared to death and I have to give kudos to one more person who's Susan Cotton, because if it wasn't for Susan Cotton, I wouldn't have been there. I got selected. I knew nobody. I thought, I'm not going to do this alone. So I reached out to Susan and I saw her from Facebook posts. I thought we had a lot. And she's a hygienist that's very passionate about oral exam like I am. She's on the oral cancer awareness and she has an oral cancer consulting group. And I'm about the exam for the oral function and airway. And so between the two of us, I sent her a, just a message on Facebook. And I said, I think we have a lot in common. I got selected to go, I saw you did, would you be my roommate? And she said, yes. And because of her, she stood by my side, she connected me to others, she pulled me into a group of people that she already knew that I didn't know and I I wasn't lost and alone. I had somebody that really just connected with me and supported me through the journey and we rehearsed on the stage the night before and we we spoke back to back and we celebrated at the end that it went well and it was a wonderful experience. And so because of that, I did go to Jumpstart 2020 and then met more people and opened my network even further within the speakers and the consultants. I do a lot of not official consulting but a lot of consulting for new myofunctional therapists where they come to me and I just try to empower them and help get them started because it's not an easy journey to start your own business and attract people so again kudos to Mark um, LeBlanc for making me feel like I was worthy to be there and that and for Susan for supporting me to be there because it just that had spun my profession from hygiene to myofunctional to the speaker world and the consulting world and and beyond. Just getting my word out. Yeah, it just keeps
0: growing. Yeah, it's amazing. I was speaking uh, recently with obviously, you know, Vanessa Emerson, and you know, the, the amount of people I, I call her the connector because the amount of people that we have all been had the great opportunity to meet is because of Vanessa and the amazing network of amazing people that she's put together. So I do agree with you. I think it is an extremely collaborative and supportive environment that has been created. I think our industry in general is, is that way. And I think that we're very fortunate that we have the, these opportunities to do more than the status quo in our chairs every day you know, if you push yourself enough, you can find multiple opportunities to do more than just what you need to do in your chair. And kudos for you to taking that leap. I really am so amazed by your presence because that passion, like I said, just shows through.
1: Well, I I enjoy yours too. I enjoyed when we got to know each other and shared your passion too, because you have a very cool passion that you want to empower and inspire the the future dental employees and dental dentists and hygienists and just everybody
0: raise each other up. So true. So what helped you most get to where you are today? Is there anything, one thing in particular, or is it a multitude of things? Perseverance. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah. Perseverance. Yeah, because when I
1: first transitioned from being a hygienist to opening my practice as a myofunctional therapist, there was many days I wanted to stop. There was many days I thought, I just don't know if I could do it. But somehow, somewhere, there would be a parent that would call or a child that would say, oh, thank you, Miss Cheryl. You, you know, Miss Cheryl, you helped me so much. That's what they call me. It's so cute. And I go, okay, I can't give up. I can't stop because these kids need me. And then I would hit another brick, brick wall and I'd be like, oh, to start a website, how do I start a website? Or how do I get my marketing out there? And how do I get my policies and procedures so efficient? Thank goodness for my husband, because he's really good at you know the finances. Because I don't have a front office staff to say, okay, take care of this accounting and take care of scheduling everybody. It's just me. So I, I feel perseverance that I would just get up and say, okay, just get through this day. Let's just, you know, just like the three hour speaking engagement that we talked about that went online. I'm like, okay, we're going to Google search. How do I do these things? How do I pull it together? And I guess because I, I love to constantly learn. I love to learn new things and constantly grow. It helps me to just keep
0: moving forward. Without a doubt. And I think that we have to have a growth mindset, don't we? in order for us to get down the path of where we want to go. I mean, we can have that goal in mind, but if we don't have a growth mindset, you know, not, not very often are we allowed to get there because we have to grow in order to fill those shoes of our future selves somewhere down the road, so. And I want to leave a legacy. Yes. I want to leave a legacy. That's a great way to, to look at your life is, you know, what, what do you want to leave behind that the world remembers? Great. Great. Who's made the biggest impact on your life? Is there any one person in particular? Like I said, recently Susan made a big impact. That's recently.
1: There's so many people before me that, because again, my brain is addicted to understanding craniofacial development. And there's a lot of great doctors out there that are doing research and studies and really trying to advance things. I can't say one exact person because there's been phases. There's been phases through my life of journeys and twists and turns. And um, I would say, you know, of course, my family, my daughter, she's a nurse practitioner. She graduates soon and she inspires me and empowers me all the time. She helped me set a lot of my business up because she's very creative. And I think we both
0: share uh, the healthcare field. And so there's just so many along the way. That's great. What obstacle have you overcome that you're most proud of? Self-doubt. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. You know, I, I often ask my guests, you know, and especially females, it seems to be a consistent issue that we all deal with. And I'll put myself in that that same group. You know, it's not often that I feel self-doubt, you know, now as as a maturing woman. But definitely when I was was much younger and for sure when I'm trying new, new things, right? Mm-hmm. Fear of failure. Exactly. And the fear of doing something new, right? Like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to make a mistake. Well, yeah, so what? Get up and do it over again. Figure out what went right, what went wrong and, mm-hmm. you know, start all over.
1: Yeah. You have to just like go, okay, if it's not perfect, oh well, I tried, I did my best. It wasn't perfect because that's otherwise I don't move forward. If I think it has to be perfect first.
0: I, I agree. I think that, that we have to allow ourselves the opportunity to make mistakes. I remember when I was in dental school that I couldn't study unless the house was clean. Now, I mean, okay, how crazy was that? Okay. I had a daughter, a young da- daughter at home. I'm going to dental school. And at some point I finally realized, okay, you have to give that up. You know, The house can be dirty. And Studying still can go on. It's okay. You can't do what you don't have to do one before the other I think that we create these barriers in our own mind and that when we have the intellectual ability and understanding and self-education To realize that these are self-inflicted limiting beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody ever told me that my house couldn't be clean, right? I mean, or had to be clean in order for me to study. Nobody told you, you know, that you weren't good enough. It just was a feeling that you had, right? So why do we do that to ourselves? I still, to the, I'm fascinated by that question. and I'm fascinated by the impact it has on us as women. But every single woman that I have talked to thus far in these interviews has has shared at some point way, shape or form, self-doubt in their abilities along the way. So I think that if we can say in general that we all have feelings of self-doubt, and I would have bet that men do too, they just don't share it as often as women do, that we just realize that no matter what, everybody has those self-doubt. Get up and do it anyway. That's important. it's important that that we know that we all come into
1: things with, you know, the fight or flight feeling of fear. And, you know, the that's so I do a lot of breathing work with everybody with the myofunctional. So the breath is so important because you can breathe really fast and chest and get your fight or flight, you know, your sympathetic nervous system all worked up versus trying to, you know, do a calming breath. And so how do you control yourself and, um, by controlling how you breathe, because that's like in yoga they do that, or in meditation they do that. So sometimes you try to, you know, you'll get yourself in a period of panic or fight or flight, and it just—how do you try to overcome that, and so that your brain can move forward instead of
0: flying out the door where you really want to go? Exactly. It's, we call it mo and schmo. You know, like all that voice in your head that doesn't necessarily support you and what you want to do. Yeah, I don't know if it's mo or schmo. It doesn't matter. Whoever is the negative Nelly needs to go, you know, and we have to be aware of that when, when they, they come to town and start yakking in your ear that you don't have to listen and you don't have to believe them. You can just kind of ignore them and, and eventually that voice will simmer down and go away. I think at least it has in my life. Yeah. Just fake it till you make it, right? Just Do it and go for it and pretend.
1: Like a lot of people would be surprised that 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 I come across as confident because I just say, Okay, I'm just showing up. I'm just showing up, but I'm really not.
0: Let's elaborate a little bit on that because actually that was my next question for you. You know, where have you you do appear to be a confident woman? And has that been part of your repertoire your entire career or you know, is that something that you've had to work on in your lifetime, you know, building your confidence and building your self-esteem? I'd say it's something I've had to work on through my lifetime,
1: through the different phases and the, you know, you know, different places. Like when you go in for a job interview, when I've moved from state to state, you know, you have to walk in the room confident to get your goals. And I have to just really work on that always, always. And just tell myself, it's okay. Not everybody's
0: perfect. It's okay if I'm not good enough. If you don't try, you're not going to move forward. Right. And one step, that's all it takes. Just take one step today. Just one step. Is there anyone in dentistry who inspires you to do what you do today? Is there anyone in myofunctional therapy that inspires you? Well, we kind of touched
1: on it a little bit before, but the doctors that are really doing a lot of research because there's, you know, the dentists like everything to be evidence-based. And a hundred years ago, there was a lot of research done on myofunctional therapy. For example, Edward Engel, who wrote class one, class two, class three, we all know who that is. He wrote the malocclusion of teeth in which he talked about every malocclusion case has a myofunctional cause. And so the research is a hundred years old, but then it kind of went away and now it's starting to come back, especially with so many people with mouth breathing and sleep disturbed breathing and the maxillas are getting smaller and smaller to the point that we're doing expansion on them almost every child. So, you know, Dr. Kevin Boyd was one of the first people five years ago when I started doing this, that he really, with hearing him speak about how this is new and He goes to, I think it's University of Pennsylvania and goes into the archeological department and he's studying the skulls of prehistoric and he's doing evolution studies on our palate and our bone structure. And he's produced articles and research. And so just people like Kevin, um, like Dr. Gelb, like Dr. Liao who are really bringing attention to, and there's so many right now, it's just wonderful. And research so that we can say when I'm speaking, the doctors will sometimes say, "Where's your research that backs up what you're saying?" Because I'm seeing it with the kids I'm working with. I'm watching their teeth move sometimes four, five, six millimeters into place before they start braces. But where's the research on this? So I'm just really very happy that there's so many passionate dentists and um, that are working on putting it into the evidence-based articles and journals.
0: That's so exciting. Tell us one thing that people would be surprised to know about you. Well, as we've talked about, I have an extreme passion
1: for water sports. I became a certified scuba diver when I was 14, 15 years old. I've been scuba diving my, most of my life. I am a big avid sailor and I race sailboats through the summer, every weekend, last, I didn't tell you this, but last weekend, my husband and I came in first in our division. Yay! Oh my
0: gosh, congratulations. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Yeah, we race one design sailboats and um, on a lake in Western Maryland. We, uh, I started out windsurfing. I used to race windsurfers when I was in college. And so water sports, sailing, we, uh, we sailed around the British Virgin Islands. And then just last January, we sailed around the Windward Islands, just um, no captain, just ran a, a 42 foot boat and just
0: sailed around the islands. Oh, uh, how fabulous. It is beautiful. And I know you love it too, right? You love sailing. Well, you know, sailing is was not my cup of tea before because we had a uh, power boat but I was on the water for 30 years with a boat and there is nothing more peaceful and more serene to me ever than being on a boat. And it's just the, it was the one place that I could go that I always knew that I was going to relax because I'm not the relaxing type. I don't, you know, being up here in Maine, being close to the water is very different than being on the water. Being on the water in a boat you can definitely get away and feel peaceful. I loved going on uh, weekend trips and just being a gone for the whole weekend, packing the boat, you know, cooking, enjoying each other's company, you know. And we did it as a family until my daughter went off to college, and it was an amazing um, journey. Uh, she's doing it now with her son, so it's one pass it along. Yeah, exactly. It's something that does continue when families develop that as, as, as a focus for sure. I do know that how much you love sailing and, and there's no doubt that you have that same passion that you bring to myofunctional therapy that you bring right to sailing because you can see it in the pictures of you online. You can see it, how happy it makes you when you, when you talk about it. It's an, it's great to see. It's really great. Where's your next uh, race? It's always at the same Place we have a sailing
1: club in Western Maryland on Deep Creek Lake, the little tiny lake. And my husband and I are building a house just off the lake, so we designed the house pretty much, and we're subbing out certain parts, but most of it we're doing ourselves. So last weekend I was putting up tile in the kitchen, but yeah, it's just fun stuff. And as I've never, I've never done a backsplash tile, or we put the cabinets up ourselves, and so we're just like, okay, let's figure it out and do it. Oh my gosh. That's a great, that's great. Good for you. Kudos. Yeah, it's fun. So I can walk across
0: the street and there's the lake. And so it's great. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. So have you ever had an aha moment in your therapy sessions where you realize that you have done exactly what you're supposed to be doing? That you just realize, oh my gosh, this is, this is what I've always meant, been meant to do. Well,
1: over and over and over and over again. There, it, it just depends on the day you ask me which person I'm going to think about. And right now, the, the little guy that I'm helping, he has anterior crossbite, underdeveloped maxilla, he's six years old, and he was told by his pediatric dentist that we would wait and watch, and when he gets to be older, we'll be doing reconstructive jaw surgery on him. And the parents were very unhappy with that answer, obviously. And so they told their dentist when they went in for their appointment about how upset they were about this information. And the hygienist told them, "See Cheryl to see how she can help you." And uh, so at this moment, you know, we did the functional assessment of why. Why is his maxilla not developing? And he was tongue-tied, so his tongue's on the floor of his mouth. He also had speech disorders and snoring and Chronic ear infections and other things. But so he had his tongue released. And so he's so excited that he can move his tongue and move and he can speak more clearly. And he's so proud of his new tongue. And now I have spent my whole day today calling the different orthodontists and dentists in the area about what is an early expansion technique that we can use for him to at least get as much cranial facial development as we can to hopefully avoid the surgery. And um, I'm going to go with them. So we've lined up some appointments for them to investigate other options besides wait and watch and then do surgery. And I'm going to actually go with the parents so that I can learn and grow and collaborate with the provider and experience things from the orthodontist's opinion, like what is it we can do to help this child? So if I, just taking this one child we're talking about, if I can help guide the path of getting the tongue to the maxilla, getting the maxilla to develop with expansion, and hopefully get him to where he needs to be without reconstructive jaw surgery by just doing, taking care of the root cause and the why and early intervention because he's six, then... That's just one example of, wow,
0: I'm just so happy to be a tool to help this family. I think there's, there's becoming this theme. So I'm seeing when women, when I ask that question consistently, they either get stumped or they are like, oh my gosh, that happens to me all the time. And the ones that immediately respond that way, just like you just did, Those are the women that I think are absolutely positively exactly where they're supposed to be. They're doing exactly what their life's mission is. And isn't that amazing to realize that you are doing exactly what God put you on this earth to do? I mean, I think that's a gift. I really do. I think that you have found your gift and that you're providing that gift to the world. And and kudos to you. Well, my family, my family
1: says that they've never seen me happier. So when I just went in, did my dental hygiene job, which I loved, and then came home, it's a lot different now where I'm networking, collaborating, constantly learning, constantly growing, constantly seeing that what I feel right now is the dental health profession is to me the most important healthcare profession out there. Mm -hmm. One of the most important, because we're the gatekeeper of the mouth is where we breathe, we drink, we eat, and those are life sustaining events. And Mm -hmm. there's so many obstacles in the way of proper development right now. And we are the gatekeepers of health and we're the ones that see people through their entire life on a regular basis. And we take the time, you know, to really see them, know them, have a relationship with them and we can catch things that can avoid problems later. Instead of treating symptoms, we can treat the why and resolve and get them into a healthy path. So I feel like the more I've learned, the more I've learned dentistry is, a significant part of the healthcare profession. So I think of us as oral health professionals, not as dental professionals. It's not about the teeth. The teeth are the, teeth are the victim. The teeth are the victim of what's
0: going on. It's the whole oral health that is just fascinating. You know, I do think that that we need to to up the amount of education that not only hygienists get, but dentists, dental students get on myofacial function because I don't think we get enough information about this. I really don't. You know, they say that a lot about the business side of dentistry in dental school. I agree wholeheartedly. We don't, we can't provide them enough information about business because it's not something they can focus on then the business side has to come after graduation but the myofunctional habits and dysfunction that occurs absolutely we we should be spending more time mm-hmm. on because it's such a it's a such a huge impact on a little child's life do you have a personal motto or mantra that you live by just go for it <laughs> just do it jump off the cliff i just tell myself jump off the cliff just go for it
1: and you're going to be fine and you'll be fine. So, um, so many times I've come to a place of, should I do it or not? Am I afraid like going to dentistry's got talent where I was like, Oh, am I going to sign up for this? Okay. It was one thing to apply and see if I get selected when I got selected. I'm like, am I going to do this? Okay. Yes. I'm going to do it. Okay. Now I'm walking on that stage. Can I do it? You know? And I did it. And then to think of where that took me and going to jumpstart and, and just walking up to people and saying, hi, you know, I'm so-and-so and I wanna learn about you. I usually try to learn about the other person because I know my story. I wanna hear other people's story and learn what, what magic has brought into their life to bring them where they are. And then I learn and grow. So just go do it. Just jump off the cliff and go do it.
0: That's a great one. How about a guilty pleasure or a secret dream that you'd like to share?
1: So now, since I'm on this journey of passion and discovery, I don't want to retire. I thought I was counting the days before as a hygienist, after I was a hygienist for 30 years, my back was killing me. My arm was killing me. I was in chronic pain. I couldn't, I was counting the days to retire out of dentistry. Now that I have found a new avenue and a new way to serve in dentistry, I, my husband's counting the days till he retires. And I'm like, not happening. You can retire. I'm going to keep working because I'm not going to stop serving. I'm not going to stop serving.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Good for you. I don't think anybody should retire quite honestly. I I think that that we should keep on working. We aren't meant to stop working. We aren't meant to retire. I think the Greek family dynamics has it right. They continue to work until the moment they, you know, They go, you know. It's part of the family tradition, and you know they contribute in whatever way, shape, or form they can. Now, from the business perspective, do -hmm. you have a a marketing technique that you've used, or is it more now word of mouth? And just provide some guidance for people on how you were able to grow your business. Initially, I was able to grow the business because I had a lot of
1: connections with the dentists in the area. I worked two days a week as a dental hygienist. And then my other days I did a lot of um, working as a guest hygienist in other offices. So, and then a lot of the orthodontists and specialists in the area, I was their hygienist. So I already had a network of strong um, relationships with the dentists and orthodontists in the area. I would say now the biggest tool that helps bring the clients referred to me and the networking with the other offices is my speaking. So I didn't want to be a speaker. I never planned to be a speaker, but I had a message and I have a message of something that we weren't taught. A lot of us weren't taught in school or exposed to. And then I use my before and after cases of my clients, like what, look at what happened to this child from here to here just by getting them ready for the orthodontist with their function. So when I, each time I speak, uh, sometimes a room of 200, 300, 400 doctors, they hear me, they learn from me, they see my mission, and then they'll contact me afterwards and then we'll we'll set up connections. So I would say that's probably a, a really great tool is just networking, collaborating, getting out there, meeting people, I, I guess that's just one of the many things.
0: You know, it's it's a great technique. Even when we share our message for free, I think that, you know, providing that content allows people to say, oh my gosh, I got so much value here. Thank you for that. You know, here's what I'm seeing. I would love to be able to to support you. And I think that you know, you give and you get just because you've been able to provide something. So um, how can somebody, you know, anybody listening to this podcast be able to get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more about myofunctional therapy? Yeah. Thanks for asking. So the name of my
1: company is Facial Function. And if you go to facialfunction.com, you'll see my website. And if you want to send me an email, it's just
0: my name, Cheryl Schaefer at facialfunction.com. Excellent. Excellent. I am so excited to have spent some more time with you, uh, Cheryl. We had such a great time both in October and in January. I'm looking forward to connecting in some kind of shape or form at some future event, wherever that might lead us. Definitely. You know, I hope we don't have to wait all the way till uh, jumpstart, but if we do, It'll be re- really nice to reconnect with you in the in the future. Well, so. you know, I want to go out on a boat with you in my in Maine. I can't wait. Go see Maine and be on your boat. The door is always open. So please feel free to come up anytime you'd like. And uh, you always have a room to stay in. So thank you. would love to have you. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. So thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.